welcome to McLean's Pop Culture Podcast, Thrill, for the week of April 3rd. On this week's show, Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo. We put on the glass slipper and talk about Disney's successful remake of Cinderella. And for that, we'll go right to the source. We'll talk to a teen to help us figure out if stories like Cinderella's still have a place in our popular culture. Yeezus blocked. Ottawa showed him the way, but a petition's trying to bring Kanye West down. A movement's out there telling the divisive rapper to stay away from Ottawa's blues fest. Is he a monster, or are some Ottawa residents just playing the blame game? And the joke's on him. We look at the outrage over the new Daily Show host, Trevor Noah, and ask whether it's fair to criticize him over controversial jokes he made four years ago. I'm Adrian. I'm Emma. And I'm Julia. And this is The Thrill. The story of Cinderella is a well-worn tale, and it's one that's been worn by Disney 65 years before the remake that's been setting box offices ablaze. First, of course, you all know the drill. No spoilers ahead, really. Girl is browbeat by an evil stepmother and stepsisters, gets to the ball with the help of a fairy godmother, and wins the heart of the prince with the help of a misplaced glass slipper, yada yada. So there's a kind of cynicism you could have about Disney remaking this movie, but that's why we're talking to the actual audience for the film. Sitting right next to our own Emma T is another Emma T, Emma Tolson, that is, a 12-year-old who attends Toronto's Cosburn Middle School. Thanks for joining us, Emma. Hello. So... I think right off the bat, I got to ask you, you saw Cinderella. What did you think? It was really, really good. It was a lot different from the original one. They Disney kept true to the story, but at the same time, they changed it up. Mm. Um, I was listening to an interview with Lily James, who plays Cinderella, and she was saying how, and I agree with her completely, how almost the Prince Charming and Cinderella, they both swept each other off their feet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the Prince Charming. Cinderella, she, she showed him different ways to think and... He thought differently because of her. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because before the before Cinderella, it's actually a little, like, short film from Frozen, right? And and Frozen is this, like, uh, twist on the fairy tale because they don't choose guys. They choose friendship in each other, right? Uh, and so it's interesting that, that you bring it up. I mean, how important is that stuff for, for kids these days, the, the fact that um, the fairy tales are, are sort of not quite the same kind of, you know, let me get the man and it's all, that's, like, what it is about. It's about a give and take. Well, yeah, because now it's not the 50s anymore. It's mm. not sort of the man of the household or anything. It's the friendship between this uh, girl and this guy who she meets, and then she starts to fall in love with him, and he starts to fall in love with her because they see each other uh, as almost equals, even though in society they aren't. Julia? So I uh, grew up with Disney movies. I think almost everybody does, or lots of people do. Um, I mean, I'm guessing you probably did too. What were your some of your favorites when you were growing up? Um, I did really like the original animated Cinderella. It was just, I don't know, there's something about it that this girl that was so heartbroken because she was treated so horribly, but at the same time, she really kind of just looks to the good side of things and never goes to that negative side, which she could have easily done. Also, I guess I really liked The Little Mermaid, too, because there's mermaids and there's a really nice song and I love. I really like mermaids. Yeah, it's a great time. Not just because she's a redhead. Yeah, I really liked your point, Emma, about how they sweep each other off their feet as opposed to just the prince sweeping the princess off her feet. And I didn't think about it that way, but it's true. I feel like that is what made it. I really liked it, too. And it kind of reminded me of the relationship between Pocahontas and John Smith (laughs) in um, the Pocahontas, Disney's Pocahontas movie, which I think was from 1998, maybe? So like that, early 90s, mid-90s. Early 90s. That was my favorite when I was growing up, and I know that it's historically inaccurate, whatever, problematic for a number of reasons, but I love it. And it's a similar relationship where she sort of teaches 
John Smith to paint with all the colors of the wind. Oh, boy. <laughs> Listen, I mean, if we're going to talk about problematic, I like Mulan, and that has a dragon voiced by Eddie Murphy. So I think, you know, we got to pick our places. <laughs> Among the least problematic parts <laughs> yeah, of gotta, Mulan. Got to really pick our places on, on these movies. Um but but okay so so Cinderella you you loved the the old animated one um you watched the remake did you feel like this was a movie that needed to be remade in some ways it kind of did because the original one as i said before it's just the prince who kind of comes in and mm. saves her but in this one because obviously society is growing out of these old sort of the guy is the strong one the girl is the weak one um I guess it should be kind of remade because it was so old before and these sort of old um, feelings towards this kind of relationship. And now they bring it forward into sort of a different one um, and more new. Well, I think what's so weird is that, like, I mean, a lot of times when people talk about teens and young people, they think like, oh, they're on social media all the time and they're all, you know, whatever. Um, but there's something very earnest about fairy tales, right? This, mm-hmm. like, this is something very pure. And I think this movie really exemplifies that as just this very, like, pure you know, happy, beautiful-looking movie. Um, does that still work for, for teens, do you think? Like, this this kind of, like, very happy, very earnest uh, take on a fairy tale. Is that still interesting for teens? I think some teens. Some teens are, as you say, kind of on social media mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But other times, a lot of teens kind of think, well, you know, could I have that kind of romantic, beautiful fairy tale love one day? And I think eventually maybe you could or something. Probably not exactly go to the ball, meet the prince, get married about yeah, five days later. Yeah, a version later. of that. A version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe sure. like, take it by years or something. Yeah. yeah, and prom. You never know what... <laughs> prom is fun. <laughs> it's a ball, in a way, right? I'm sorry, Emma, we're so old. Feeling old. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> um, what's interesting, actually, is that you uh, are in a musical at your school, Into the Woods. Yeah. Uh, and so that was recently remade as a movie, too. And that's very different because it's it's kind of this... It's not nearly as earnest. It's like, this is really what happens, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think of Into the Woods as a sort of a musical? Um, the music is just gorgeous, but the first part is the regular fairy tale. Cinderella goes to the ball and Rapunzel's in her tower, blah, blah. Everyone knows that story. But then the second part of the movie is what happens after. What happens when they wish for something or the consequences are happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being made into a movie... It kind of shows a little darker, and I think it aims less for the kind of eight-year-old girls in sparkly Disney store dresses up to more of the 18-year-old girls who kind of maybe like that sort of darker mm-hmm. darker fairy tale. Right, and you're right in the middle. Like, which of those halves sort of speaks to you more? I don't know. I kind of like, I guess I like the darker fairy tale because it's a little more intense. Like, I like the Cinderella because it's just so beautiful and it's gentle and kind, but at the same time, Into the Woods one is a little more fiercer and there's a little more emotion and hardship behind it. You really show how these characters became to be those characters. And it's funny because you play the uh, evil stepmom, right? So mm-hmm. did you? Uh, what did you think of the evil stepmom in the movie Cinderella? Did you have more sympathy even? Like, you were like, I kind of get where you're coming from. Yeah, I kind of, I liked her because she was just so heartbroken the first time this man died and she loved him so much. So she married for just her for her daughters, not for herself. And she started to fall in love with this man, but then he just sort of broke her heart again. And I guess it wasn't in some ways really her fault that she start, turned so evil. I mean, Cinderella, she had terrible heartbreak like her and still looked to the true side. So I guess stepmother could have been more positive. Mm-hmm. But 
at the same time, you kind of get more sympathy for her. Like, okay, I guess I see where you're coming from. I especially had a lot of sympathy for her when she wanted to redecorate the house. Yeah, <laughs> because it was so, they needed it. Let's it's not be an honest. ideal house. Seen the movie. It was a, it was quite vintage. Yeah. Yes, very stuffy, you know. Yeah. And she, all she wanted to do was redecorate, and Cinderella was like, no. Got to keep the old stuff around. Really, Cinderella should have been more liberal with her, uh, just her willingness to change mm-hmm. the interiors. Yeah. That's my takeaway from Cinderella. Can't hold on to the past. Well, thanks for joining us, Emma. Appreciate it. Okay. That was really fun. Ottawa Blues Fest hasn't quite been bluesy in a long time. After all, last year's fest featured Lady Gaga, Queens of the Stone Age, and Snoop Dogg. But as a result, the 21-year-old festival has become one of Canada's most popular musical festivals, so big that it scored a headlining performance from a musical icon, the rapper Kanye West. Not everyone likes Kanye West's egotistical ways, though, and a petition has been launched by Ottawa resident Amy Lamoth, whose Facebook group urges signees to, quote, stop Kanye West at Ottawa Blues Fest. Stop him at what? I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. Emma, you actually saw Kanye at a festival, so I wanted to start with you. Uh, do you think this is a reasonable recourse? I think it's totally reasonable. I re- obviously respect Kanye West as a musician. I love his music. I think he's a very talented producer. But I think he is a huge jerk. And Julia and I actually saw him together at Bonnaroo in Tennessee last year, a really big camping music festival. Um, Kanye West was notoriously, I think, six hours late for his Bonnaroo set a few years prior, um, which prompted a similar backlash to the one we're seeing in Ottawa right now, where people at last year's Bonnaroo didn't want him to perform there as well. Or there was a, you know, a small group who also started a movement against Kanye, and I even saw scrawled on, on one of the uh, Bonnaroo's lots of graffiti and art around the festival grounds and I think there was something that said like you know F you Kanye or something written in big letters and yeah I've just always felt like with other rap musicians who are very cocky and that's part of the rap persona but they make you feel cocky too like you listen to rap music and it makes it builds you up and it's it's kind of a an experience that gives you confidence and I find that with Kanye West I just feel like he makes me feel very small and insignificant and like I'm a sort of a serf in his kingdom. And that's the the impression I got when I saw him last year. I think this this partly may not be entirely his fault. I know he had a DJ who was incompetent who he so fired. Bad. And I think that so there were there was lots of like mistakes during his set where the lights would go off and you know, he would he would just refer to himself as a god and I just remember feeling like why am I here? You know, I'm not gaining anything from this experience. I don't know. Julia, you were there too. How do you feel about this? Well, I I mean, of the actual Bonnaroo performance, it was not my favorite. But also, like, I did not have very good seats. I could barely see him. And he had a very performance art, as he often does, shtick going on. He had a cube that was lit up. He had a face mask on. Mm. And he was ju- But, you know, I mean, Lady Gaga has done nothing too dissimilar to that. But people were upset and because he has a legacy at Bonnaroo for being late and uh, complaining about the, the specs of the stage not being right and so on, being a perfectionist. And I think that's fair enough because musicians and performers, certainly of that caliber, should kind of have their stage set as they, they want to. But I think that in terms of this Ottawa Blues Fest upset, there's also one going on in Glastonbury. He's also set to um, headline Glastonbury this year, and people are similarly very upset about that. They don't think he's rock and roll enough. And there was a, a similar petition a few years ago when Glastonbury tried to get Jay-Z to, or got Jay-Z rather, to be the headliner. 
And I don't know that this is necessarily the same kind of upset. I think Glastonbury is upset because they think that rap is not an acceptable music kind of music to play at Glastonbury, which is traditionally a, a rock show, which mm. I think is narrow-sighted. Yeah. But I think that um, in terms of the, the Ottawa Blues Fest, as far as I understand, the woman is upset. Part of sh- what she says she's upset about is because he is, is that Kanye is arrogant. He doesn't appreciate artists. You know, he's had these couple of uh, instances recently with Beck at the at the Grammys and, of course, that time with um, Taylor Swift a few years ago mm-hmm. where he interrupts him and talks about what true artistry is as if he's the only one who knows that. Mm-hmm. But I think, and of course also he's married to um, Kim Kardashian. She's a tabloid favorite, famous for being famous and PR stunts and so on. And he's just not known for his humility. Everybody knows that about Kanye. He's not a humble guy. He's outspoken about how great he is. He's quoted as saying, my greatest pain in life is that I will never be able to see myself perform. And this Ugh. just <laughs> this doesn't make him sympathetic. I get it. But I think Kanye is great, just like Emma said. And I think a lot of people think that he's great. And but I don't I don't think the public likes when rich, successful geniuses lack humility, despite genius. how talented genius? they are. Oh yeah, I think Kanye's okay. a genius. hundred percent. But um Steve Jobs, for example, famously did not have much humility at all, but he wasn't a performer. He it was mainly his staff that had to deal with his personality and the rest of the world just got to enjoy their iPhones and their iPads. That's because the product was separate from the person. But with Kanye, he delivers his commodity, like he's his music and his often great music on a public platform. So we've got to take the personality with the product. And I think that it's the personality that most people bristle to and not the product, but that they conflate the two. Adrian? So I've got a couple problems with this petition. Uh, let me start with this one, which is the fact that what is it that Kanye West has meaningfully done? You know, we're talking about, let, let's, let's look at it this way. Kanye West uh, is a jerk. Fine, sure. The the examples we've given, uh, one is from the Grammys, and you know, from what we, from a lot of what people can tell, it's a, it was a little bit jocular, uh, and the other one was a Taylor Swift thing that he's that happened years and years ago that he's addressed fully on an album too. Uh, this is a guy who, if you you know, engage with his interviews at all, is actually like a profoundly earnest dude. If you actually listen to him speak, uh, who genuinely believes in his own creative genius, a thing that would be problematic if this isn't the guy, if this isn't a person who has in a meaningful way change the way rap music works today and rap music being arguably the center of pop music in general um you know you, emma you bristled at the the phrase genius but in a lot of ways i mean i think that he is doing some of the most interesting stuff that ends up being uh what is considered popular music you know the the sound of Jesus when it came out the album uh that came out which came out two two summers ago uh that was a sort of a grating metal infused kind of sound and we're kind of seeing that now all over the place so what is it that kanye west has actually done kanye west is a jerk is that reason to a victim from a festival here's here's an example of a person who has been removed from a festival uh for reasonable reasons chris brown uh two summers ago or three summers ago uh, wasn't allowed to play uh, Halifax at a Halifax festival because the city decided, hey, we don't want to support someone who has straight up abused somebody. Um, that makes some sense to me. Kanye West, just for being a jerk, doesn't doesn't seem to make any sense. I and- think it makes perfect sense. Why can't you be evicted for being a jerk? I mean, sure, you should be evicted for being a wife being beater, a too. Right. He yeah. seems like he's not a nice person. He lacks humility, and I just don't like to contribute to the success. The beating for- somebody up. I agree. I'm not right. saying it's the same. I'm saying I just think they should both be thrown out. Hmm. I, of course, I think that beating somebody no, up is worse infraction than just being a jerk. But I also believe I just I, I I hate this idea that because somebody is a genius that they should be allowed to be a jerk. But in but historically that's always been the case. Like even if let's go back all the way to Beethoven. Beethoven was not a nice guy. But you know who was Bach. It's true. <laughs> My dad, who is 
my dad, who's a really big fan, sure. plays him on the piano all the time. That, Emma title. <laughs> okay. No, but you I'm too. sure Same he question, could. Adrian Lee. I can and he would always talk about it. He, and this was like one of he would always talk about how Bach was a really nice guy, good History. family man, yes. and that you don't have to be. Let me. Your History talent is does not preclude being a good person. History is ta- littered with talented nice people and talented bad people. And I'd rather pay money to see the talented nice people. Fine. That's okay. All. Then that's the issue. Fine. Then don't. Then pay your money to do that. Don't create a petition to force a. A festival uh, that is meaning that does benefit a city benefits from Kanye West coming into town. A festival benefits from. Okay, into I'll, town. don't. I don't think that the the petition is right. I, I I totally understand why you're annoyed by it, and maybe my point of view is irrational, but I don't care, and I would still sign that petition. And yeah. That's okay, then let me feel. then let me also add this. So. Uh, there's another question in play here, which is the idea of festival identity. And with the rise of, of summer music festivals, we're seeing more and more people wanting, like, oh, you know, the spirit of the fest isn't being like accurate. Like Glastonbury, exactly, like Julia was saying. Um, Blues Fest very clearly is going through that that identity shift uh, over the last, I don't know, maybe decade or so. They've been bringing in not bluesy artists. Um, they've been bringing in, you know, famous ones. We were saying Lady Gaga, last year Snoop Dogg. This is not Kanye. is not the first uh, major rap star to come. And he's performed there before. He That's performed right. in 2007. But if we're going to talk about festival identity, which it seems the petition is hinting at, then let's talk about festival identity. You know, let's let me let me look at the quote from the petition. It says, uh, Kanye West has brought nothing but shame to himself. Furthermore, this is nothing to do with blues. You'd be better off booking Beck. Let's take a minute to think about the music that Beck makes. Is his music blues? I think not. Let me look at what Amy Lamoth said when she was interviewed at Metro News. Um, he publicly humiliates himself on a weekly, monthly, daily basis. Interesting uh, order of re- time, but let's go on. Um, I feel the music should have been uh, spent on relevant rock artists. Lamoth says she would rather see a band like the Foo Fighters or the Black Keys. Also, not blues artists. Also, the Black Keys are blues artists. Okay, fine. But then the Black Keys, if we're going to go to that, is a matter of respect. The Black Keys... Have en- or they engaged, were blues artists. The Black Keys have engaged with more, uh, have engaged in more beefs with more artists than Kanye West, Snoop Dogg, any of them combined. The Black Keys are embroiled in a in regular fights over the White Stripes sound, uh, a band they they do mimic in sound and in a way in name. Okay, of course you're right, but obviously this lady's beef is just with Kanye. She just really doesn't like Kanye. He's more high profile. What she's really and- getting at is something that she's trying to frame it in an objective way. And taste is subjective. Sure. And that is really the problem with this petition because she's trying to say, obviously this, obviously that. There is no obviously this or that. It's subjective. Right. If she think... doesn't consider him the right kind of artist, that's she's well within her rights to have that opinion. Yeah. But that doesn't. there's no way to prove that that's true. I think what's interesting, though, about the petition is that it sort of reveals that there's this old guard of festival goers. And I go to festivals like every summer. I am like a big festival girl. Flower crown and all, mm-hmm. but I think that I can that confirm this. I'm from like a new generation of festival goers who appreciate the mainstream commercial aspects of the festival. I like that at Oshiega, when it rains, there's astroturf under a tent sponsored by Forever 21 mm-hmm. that I can sit down on. I like that at Bonnaroo, there's an oil of Olay tent, and I can go and you know when I have a sunburn, I can exfoliate and moisturize or whatever. But I think there's we both did that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like. <laughs> An old guard who are true festival diehards, and they see this encroachment, you know, by um, rap music and and EDM as being sort of not true to the festival spirit, and they want to go back to folk yeah. and rock and whatever. Yeah, and I like all of those things too. But what I also like when I go to a festival is the fact that there is a broad range of stuff, some of which I haven't listened to. I'd be interested to know uh, whether uh, Amy Lamoth has attended a Kanye West show. 
Um, I'd be, you know, that's that's the pleasure of a festival is that you can see She probably see did, things. and that's why she hates him so much. But he's also, no, I mean, he played Coachella in 2011, a two-hour set. People loved that. He had mm-hmm. like 30 ballerinas, nonstop fireworks. I mean, that yeah. was very well-reviewed. And there so is creative precision to his work. Like, in, there is there, a huge amount of money. And so, you know, when I when we, we talked earlier about, when we talked earlier about Bonnaroo, uh, you know, I, I can't speak to that. And I do, and I think you guys are absolutely right that it was crazy for him to be six hours late. And That was the show we didn't attend to sure. also like it's subjective insofar as like it's where you're sitting how good your mm-hmm. view is that's just how a concert works right. so your your opinion of it also changes as to what you can absorb right. but the, what really galled me was the assumption that most people were upset uh, about Kanye West entering Blues Fest to the degree to which to, to the degree to, to the point that people would say yeah I'm gonna sign a petition this is what I want to do Kanye West can't enter Ottawa sorry Emma you're against two hip-hop heads you you can't win more like two Kanye obsessives. Ouch. The Daily Show has found its successor to Jon Stewart, a rookie correspondent from South Africa named Trevor Noah. This was all well and good, until an editor from BuzzFeed resurfaced tweets from 2011 that made fun of the obese, of Jewish women, and of women in general. Backlash ensued. Some even implied that he didn't deserve the job. So, Emma, are we too quick to judge him? Um, I think that we are not too quick to judge him. Um, he may prove to be a great host. I don't know. But I think that the the series of tweets that were brought to the attention of media, I think by a reporter at BuzzFeed, and these are tweets from 2011 mm-hmm. um, when Trevor Noah was sort of trying out some of his comedy on Twitter, and a series of them involved uh overweight women and Jewish women. The weirdest part was that one of his, the most controversial one, ones uh, about a Jewish stereotype got the stereotype completely wrong. One of the tweets that that drew the most ire um, on Twitter was was a joke he had made about Jewish women being bad at performing a, a particular sex act. What I found so bizarre about this joke was not that it was offensive, but that he had completely got wrong the stereotype about Jewish women, which is not that they don't perform this particular sex act, which I can't say, but that they perform it a lot and very well. <laughs> And so I was just, it wasn't... Offensive for the wrong reasons. Yes, offensive for the wrong reasons. But what I think that I read a really interesting piece in Slate that I know many people disagree with. Jamie Wyman, who wrote an interesting, you know, sort of rebuttal to that piece on mcleans.ca. And I know, Adrian, you disagree with this. But what this piece argued was basically that the criticisms about Trevor Noah being an offensive comedian are moot because comedians can joke about offensive things, of course. Uh, but what's really wrong with Trevor Noah is that he's not funny. Like the jokes that he made that are that he's being criticized for are just they're not even unfunny. They're like abysmally bad. Like they're just not funny. Like the and also bizarre, like the one I referenced about Jewish women and that particular sex act. It just didn't register with me because it was like you're not even getting you didn't even do your research like into this stereotype to yeah. You know, racist, criticize it right was racist. just yeah be right racist or right anti-semitic at least you know so i don't know i think um yeah i think from what i've read and seen i i think it's totally fair to criticize him also because um john stewart was uh fantastic at political satire and with that comes a sort of uh, moral high ground as at odds as that seems with comedy it makes sense in 
that sort of context, he seemed like he was funny, but also like a kind person. And I think that Trevor Noah's comedy, at least from what I've seen and, and from what people have been talking about, it sort of has more of a Dane Cook vibe, at least the jokes that I've read. So, Adrian, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I uh, I actually I, I wrote on uh, wrote from McLean's as well because I actually by coincidence happened to have seen Trevor uh, do stand up uh, at the Comedy Cellar in New York when I was there a month and a half ago, um, and it was great because I actually thought he was the best comic of the night. Uh, his stand up was very different from the tweets in question, uh, and so I you know I think that we have to leave that from there. But for me, I think there's two questions in play. One is, are these tweets offensive and should that affect his daily show uh, job? The other one is, are these tweet, are these jokes bad and should that affect him being a comic at all? So let me deal with the, let me, let me give you my opinion on the first one, which is to say that, you know, the daily show people often forget about in its history uh, wasn't always the extremely popular thing that everyone looked to. I mean, there's, you know, studies out there that say a lot of young people get their news from The Daily Show. That wasn't the case when Craig Kilborn was on the show uh, as the host, uh, uh, didn't really have political views so much as it sort of reported the news in a wry way, similar to Weekend Update. And, you know, The Daily Show is different now. And we have vaunted it to such a point that we really believe that someone has to really deserve it. And I think people are frustrated by the fact that it's not one of the correspondents that they really wanted. And that's okay. From what I saw of Trevor at Stand Up, he was a fresh face with very with a very earnest look at American life because he is South African and I think that will work still. So whether or not the the tweets were offensive, I think that that is a question in play. I don't know how much that affects his daily the the fact that he can host the Daily Show. The other thing I think is the bad jokes problem. Um, the comparison I like to make about this is whether or not, like, you know, let's say you you talk to a baseball player. He's like a pretty good baseball player right now. But four years ago, he had a brutal season in the minors. Uh, he struck out a lot. He had a terrible looking swing. But we why would we talk about that season? That was four years ago. Twitter is a place for stand-up comics to work out material. A lot of material for stand-ups is bad, period. Um, just a lot of it now is public. Um and also, the people's relation people's relationships to Twitter as a whole have changed since 2011. I remember tweets I wrote in 2011. Woof, those are probably not good. Um, and what's so interesting to me about the BuzzFeed uh, editor's remarks about these tweets is that he thought um, that it was probably best that he deleted all of them. I think that's pretty crazy. I think it's, it's strange that his solution is that he should be embarrassed by these tweets, so much so that in advance... He should get rid of the evidence. I don't think that helps anything. Do you guys? No, I don't. I don't think that he should have erased them. You know, I agree with you guys. I think some of the jokes are in, in poor taste and that they're not really that funny. You know, all those things are low hanging fruit. They're hacky. All of that. Sure. And I would classify those some of those tweets as that. And people have the right to be offended. If they want mm-hmm. to be offended, they are well within the rights to, to be so. I Absolutely. mean, last week, I think it was Lena Dunham had a, a story that ran in The New Yorker called uh, Dog or Jewish Boyfriend, a quiz, where you're supposed to guess who it was she was referring to, her Jewish boyfriend or her dog. Some of them were like, he came to me with to he came with me to therapy once and was restless and unexpressive, or he's crazy for cream cheese. <laughs> and people were offended. And mm. and sure, you're I mean, and they should be. And and earlier in uh, this year at the Oscars, Patricia Ar- Arquette was accused of taking t- a too privileged to white woman's stance on feminism when she used her acceptance speech to say it was time for the nation to focus on equal rights for women's saying something to the fact like we fought for everyone else's rights black rights gay rights it's time for people to fight for women's rights which was criticized as being tone deaf not the least of which because many people who are of color or are gay are also women of course and people called tina fey's new show unbreakable kimmy schmidt um, racist though it does not appear that this was 
her intention. Mm-hmm. And people have the right to say that. And I think performers, and I think everyone, whether intentionally or not, has said things that have hurt other people, certainly myself included, not that intent because no one is born with the perfect knowledge to be clear and engaging and inoffensive all at the same time mm-hmm. if somebody says hey that sucks you you shouldn't say that you go oh so i'm sorry yeah i'll, I'll try to do better next time it's just like when somebody says to you you know you're being a jerk you don't go no i'm not yeah it's not up to you to decide whether you're being yeah. a jerk or not so I think that there is this kind of virtue in, in call-out culture, which is kind of what this is, that if you are the one to do the calling out, that you are therefore a more compassionate and enlightened person. And there's and it, that kind of stuff often lands with a, a slight of smugness. And where is the room for people to learn? You just have to say, hey, that mm. hurts. And then people say, oh, the person yeah. you would hope who did that would say, oh, I'm sorry. I'll try to do better next time. So in terms of whether he's going to be a good daily show host or not, he hasn't even started. Let's mm. give this guy a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, yeah, I think part of that, too, is the fact that everyone kind of believes that Jon Stewart was, like, fully formed this perfect moral authority, um, this, like, ideal view of progressive, you know, politics, left-wing ideals. I mean, I don't think a lot of people have seen Jon Stewart do stand-up. I mean— That's not really the point, though. The Daily Show is what it is now. It's not starting from the beginning. It's not our job to watch— to like train somebody to be sensitive and, no, and to like watch him I be agree. brought up and and learn the the well the ratings can dip and that would that yeah, that's will, fine and that also the daily and show and I want to make clear that I'm not offended by his jokes I didn't find them no no offensive but that's I just, fine you or you could be, I just found them unfunny and I understand why people don't, are confused about why he was selected because it's probably the top comedy job on television yeah. and so you'd think that some king of comedy would be selected or somebody yeah. but I mean as I wrote in McLean's I think he's a, a great choice because he is such a blank slate people don't have a lot of expectations and in a way this this does you know that's the problem with this right now is that this is all we a lot of people know about Trevor Noah uh, you know thrust from nothing into as you say one of TV's top jobs as a thought here I think it's crazy that we're at this place with Twitter and social media where something that like a 15 year old is tweeting right now is going to one day like ruin his eligibility to be prime minister one day i mean isn't that what we're talking about here like are we saying that what you are you're responsible and somebody brings that up that person can say look i i'm sorry i was 15 and i didn't know any better and i'm not 15 years old anymore and i have learned and please give me the chance to show you that i've learned and that's kind of what trevor noah did Mm. i also think that people who are going to be prime minister one day who are children right now will have all grown up with the internet and even though they're I think the term is digital natives and so hmm. they will have they'll everybody's dirty laundry is waving around in the wind and so I think people might be less inclined to draw attention to other people's in you know only time will tell I'm gonna go delete my Twitter feed well that's it for this week find new episodes every Friday at mcclains.ca and subscribe on iTunes Stitcher and BeyondPod we'd love it if you left us a rating a review or a comment on iTunes or drop us a comment on the site. If you like this, make sure to check out our politics podcast on The Hill. You can also hear some of our columnists, like our very own Emma Title, read their work in McLean's Voices. Both are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our theme song is by Young Clancy. You can follow Emma on Twitter, at Emma Rose Title. You can follow Julia, at Julia Del J. And me, at Adrian K. Lee. Except don't, because I'm deleting everything. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.